This is the Tim Burns Show, and I am the common man with common sense and an uncommon desire to know the truth. What do we do? Politics, current events, facts of science, fact of God, business world. But we have a dedicated focus on America. The website is timburnshow.com. It is a reflection of me. It's who I am. It's a niche. It's not an end-all to everything. It's not the only place you're going to need to go in order to get information you need. But it's got a lot of reference links that are very handy tools that paint a very good picture when we get news from the Deadhead Media. Our number here is 303-477-2473. I'm going to bang through a bunch of headlines here. And then I want to get to... a. Hopefully just one segment worth that is a highlight, a grand illustration of how the deadhead media works. And all I have to do is say one word or two, Hardball or Chris Matthews, you'll get a feel for that. It's very illustrative of the ability for the deadhead media to paint pictures and to present labels and stereotypes in order to promote one political party, and that is certainly not the Republican Party. Uh, Let's get to some headlines first, though. Uh, There is a latest ISIS video, and I'm sure you've heard about it. It was not on any of the morning shows, as far as I, I could tell, but it is pretty gruesome. It's a pretty good illustration of this is who these people are, and this is the battle we have in front of us. And if there isn't an administration, and if this country does not take this stuff seriously, well, we already heard from one of the Republicans in, uh, in the intelligence committees that we're at the highest threat level this country has ever seen, other than the obvious when the threat level wasn't up, but the obvious threat level that had to exist right before 9-11. Remember, 9-11, these people, and they were times, you know, until you get hit hard for the wake-up call, you tend to take things for granted. But the wake-up call really was the Twin Towers in 1993. Remember Dan Rather asked the guy who was in charge of that? Well, you didn't get him. And he responded, Yousef said, not yet. Well, they ended up getting those two Twin Towers But all through the 90s, it was this lackadaisical approach. We had all sorts of walls built up so intelligence agencies couldn't communicate with each other. Well, this representative, but let me point out that these terrorists, the 9-11 hijackers, were able to come to this country years previous. They were able to assimilate. They, in all essence, invaded this country. They assimilated, they became one of us, they practiced, and then they carried out their mission. Well, we have to understand who we're up against, and it is coming to within our walls right now. We already know that the whole social media is inspiring those that, well, the people who can't get here, it's inspiring people inside our walls already, and some of them are American citizens. Well, Obama, with this latest ISIS video, they take, and I won't watch any, I watched a beheading video, one of the first two beheadings with the kid who got, uh, who was putting up antennas in Iraq, 
got caught by Zarqawi. I believe Zarqawi, actually, the head of al-Qaeda in Iraq, actually did the beheading in that particular video. And once I saw that, that's all I needed to see. Boy, that mental image just wouldn't go away. Really disgusting. Well, in this latest ISIS video, we have five or six, I think it was five men put in a cage, lowered into a vat of water with a camera underneath the water to watch them actually drown. We had another where they put five or six into a car, fired an RPG missile into it. It exploded. The car went into flames and they burnt to death. And one more where they attached bomb necklaces to five or six captives, detonated them so they could watch their heads, so they could watch a, an explosive decapitation. And I put this into the context of Obama's quote. He's got a great concern about the distorted view of Muslims. Now, I'm not attempting like, well, like you're going to hear Chris Matthews and Hardball and his guests attempt to take one incident and label it over everybody. And I certainly am not labeling all Muslims because of the representation of the 1.1.1 of 1% people who are doing these atrocities. But it is the Koran. It is the information that these terrorists are getting from with they're taking the information literally and to the extreme and if you look at the history of Mohammed well there was similarities in what is happening now as to what happened back then and the command from Mohammed it is a 7th century mentality religious mentality and that uh, that brings up Again, the reminder that we had an opportunity if we just would have had patience planting that seed of freedom, planting that we the people institution in the center of the Arab world. If we had just kept there to nourish it, to water it. Dragging an attitude, a mentality 13 centuries forward, this primitive constitutional republic. That was making progress, maybe two steps forward, one step back, but it was making progress. And again, I'll just remind you every chance I get, 17 million purple thumbs under the threat of attack, of terrorist attack. They still went to the voting booth. And in that first elected body, a third of them were women. That in itself was such a grand step of progress in that part of the world. But again, this attitude, this mentality, the way this man thinks, Obama, it's, well, he should not be in charge of the strategy going forward to actually deal with this problem. He hasn't been the whole time. We know it's been all about trying to get, well, trying to get his promises enacted while he's been president, so he can make his political friends happy. The biggest problem is that's fine if you're not putting this country at risk. It's not fine if you are. 
So I, I just want to make mention of that. We've got uh, a new uh, Iran nuke deal that is having problems. And I saw a little bit of Savannah Guthrie on this. <laughs> and uh, she made the statement, because there's a few headlines here regarding this. Uh, the West offers, well, first, let's, let's go to France. France is voicing concern after the Khamenei comments. Now, I didn't read any of these articles, but just throw some headlines out. For Kerry, the deal would be a legacy hit after many misses. And apparently the West is offering Iran high-tech nuke reactors. Didn't read the article. The headline speaks for itself. But I did hear the commentary from Savannah Guthrie on NBC Today, the morning show. And considering what I just read you, Kerry will, according to Savannah Guthrie, quote, have to use all his negotiating skills. Where did he learn his negotiating skills? We know Obama doesn't have any. It's You don't have to have negotiating skills when it's a my, or, my way or the highway approach. And if I don't get 100% of what I want, guess what? You are at fault because you didn't give me everything I want. Petulance. It is amazing. But that goes hand in hand with the fact that we have a media that is not interested in holding truth to power, in protecting we the people, in holding government accountable, responsible. When you take sides, well, that's the way you're going to get news presented to you. Uh, let's see here. So I thought that was pretty good. Does Kerry have any more skills? Did he go to the Obama skills of diplomacy? We know that Kerry is one of the grandest talkers. This guy says more words without saying anything than anybody I've ever heard in the public domain. So what do we get? Well, you know, that reminds me. <laughs> when Kerry was running for president in 04 against Bush, and I was reading this article where before the campaign really started to unfold, he was the nominee, and now here comes the campaign. Here is an article talking about, and they were looking at it like it was some sort of positive that, wow, this shows Kerry's depth of understanding of how to get things done. He had already put like 12, to a dozen to two dozen committees with bureaucrats in all the seats at that whatever table that committee represented. It was to the tune of like 350 people. This was, I'm not even elected yet. This was his bureaucracy that was going to take place and grow beyond recognition. All right, let's get to some other headlines, and I'm going to bash through these again because I want to, uh, I, I think we're going to need at least a solid segment on Chris Matthews. Uh, billionaire, billionaire investor, and this is going to be a little all over the roadmap, just uh, you know, excuse my bouncing around the the public news uh, <laughs> padded room. <laughs> Billionaire investor icon Carl Icon warns markets are extremely overheated. Now, Carl Icon is like a William is like a. Uh, Gee, uh, should I call him Jimmy Buffett? <laughs> no, uh, uh, Buffett. You know the big 
the second, third. Oh, now he's the third richest guy in the world. And this is a guy who told you that you needed to pay more taxes, especially if you were wealthy. And yet he didn't, he never stepped up and showed the example of this. He never trusted the federal government. Did he write a check to the federal government? Of course not. In fact, he, w- he has promised his progeny from a, what I'm going to leave in my will for you, he figured, because he lives in the same house and he only makes, he probably makes a very low salary because where is he getting all his other money? Well, it's from his investments. He's been very successful. Now, his 50-plus billion dollars of wealth and what he's worth, when push came to shove, when he had a chance to step up to be the example for the rest of the wealth and the wealthy in this country to put their trust in a federal government that's so responsible. Now, all he did was preach. They should raise taxes on the rich. Well, he's got his. How about the people who are actually trying to get up there? How about the people who've worked for 10 years? They've got a product. They've accumulated some, and they can take the next step and really invest in themselves except in an environment like this. And especially if you look at Warren Buffett's, hey, the federal government needs it more than you. Federal government needs it more than America needs a new better mousetrap for whatever you're trying to develop. When push came to shove, did Warren Buffett step up as a shining example and write a check to the federal government? No. Where did he write that check? Who did he trust more than the federal government, yet while preaching to us, we need to trust them? He wrote a $50 billion check and gave it to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's who he trusted, some other fellow entrepreneur, but yet talking out the other side of his mouth, what's he want to do? Well, Carl Icahn is an investor like. He's a I'm not sure if he has a hedge fund and he has a hedge fund management, but he's, for lack of a better word, Wall, Wall Street, uh, World, uh, Wall Street, the movie Wall Street with uh, Gordon Gecko. You might want to look at Carl Icahn as a tamed down, non-Hollywood version of Gordon Gecko. That's what he does. He looks to find companies that are undervalued. He puts his money up, and so this guy. Probably more than, well, what we're getting off of CNBC. This guy understands the dynamics when a market, as he says, are getting, quote, extremely overheated. And they are. P.E. ratios are high. There's nowhere else to put your money. And it has been a giant rebuy to create higher levels and higher prices with really no real dollars holding it up. It's not going to take much. France, uh, okay. Uh, So moving on from a business item, a report that FBI files, (laughs) this is really, (laughs) this is so typical because, well, let me get to a couple other headlines because this is going to take, we're getting into a break here, and this is going to take, I got a couple of two cents worth items to say about this particular one. Uh, but a truck carrying U.S. visas was hijacked in Mexico. And a tech company finds stolen government logins all over cyberspace, all over the web. And an update on that government employee 
breach, that hacker breach, as many as 32 million pieces, sets, items, people, and their information has been exposed. Just a couple of things. And uh, let's see. Well, this other one, the U.S. Power Grid. We talked about this yesterday, didn't we? That once you have a centralized version, it becomes highly susceptible to exposure when it's all set up. U.S. Power Grid is hit with increasing number of hack attacks. They're after us. All right, we'll be right back with the Tim Burns Show here on 810 KLVZ. Tim Burns for Nominal Exhibit Services. The convention business is big business. Why? Because big business is done at these conventions. 20%, 40 half the business for the entire year can be done at these conventions. If it's time for your company to step up and you just don't know where to start, I encourage you to call Nominal Exhibit Services. Not one company does it all, but one company takes care of all the logistics, and that's Nominal Exhibit Services. Call them at 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. Remember Hank's story about the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time? Yeah, you were right. JT Jewelry does have some really cool stuff. So I did what Hank did. Got Amy two pieces of jewelry, and she loved them. And that special touch of going together to the jewelry store to get her pendant just the way she wanted it worked like a charm. Next time you see Hank, tell him thanks. I will, but let me tell you another story. I saw Bill, and he looked like a truck had run him over. I asked him what was wrong, and he said he went to a bunch of other jewelry stores looking to get a gift for Jean. And they had all the same stuff, and it was nothing but bling by all the same designers. He stepped up to the pump, spent a pretty good penny, and gave it to her, and she loved it. So he was a hero. Yep, but only until they went to a wedding reception a few days later. As people were introducing themselves, a lady came up, and they both noticed they were wearing the exact same pendant. Youch! Yep, he's been in the doghouse ever since. I'm gonna guess you told him about jt-jewelry.com. Yes, I did. Welcome back to the Tim Burns Show. Uh, two items. One is uh, <laughs> one is related to Obama. The other one is related to Hillary about their right-hand people or left-hand, left-brain, right-brain. I'm not sure in the case of Obama, but we'll do both of these. Let's start with the Clinton one before we get to the Obama. Top Clinton aide, Cheryl Mills. Now, Cheryl Mills has been with the Clintons ever since Bill was president. She was an assistant attorney general, I believe, or in the Justice Department. And she had an email problem way back then, when, when she was in charge of turning over emails. And I believe it was, the, you know, it was in that era of, I don't remember, I don't recall. Boy, they learned how to do that, didn't they? And she must have given that answer a number of times regarding specific emails. I am not sure if it had to do with Monica Lewinsky at that point. I think it might have been earlier than that. 
But whether it was with Monica Lewinsky or all of, you know, as they say, it's the cover-up. It is trying to make sure that that one, this is the whole thing about Bill Clinton. He did not want this. Like, what? you know, you can go through all the presidents, and they'll have that one famous line. We know what JFK's one. JFK's one-line caption under his picture would be, it's, uh, uh, it's not what your country can do for you. It's what you can do for your country. George H.W. Bush. Read my lips. No new taxes. We know Ronald Reagan's. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. Well, what do you think Bill Clinton's legacy caption is going to be? Now, presidents don't get remembered for economies. They get remembered for screwing them up. But they really don't. And that's through his short post-presidential history. That's all they can say about Clinton. Well, hey, look at what the economy was doing during the Clinton years. To attempt to take credit for the unbelievable synergy of all the high-tech world, computers, wireless, Internet, and give it credit to a guy who admitted (laughs) <laughs> when the whole Hillary email thing started to pop, he admitted he'd only sent her two emails. So Hillary caught in a, oh, a prevarication, let's put it nicely, about all the communications he was she was having with family and, and friends and that kind of stuff. And I'm just surprised Bill Clinton came out and said that. Well, anyway, top Clinton aide Cheryl Mills. She's been with the Clintons since she she's not that old. She may be she might have been a teenager. Well, the younger you are, the more you're going to be devoted because you know at a young age, without that experience, that you don't do the right thing for your boss, you're gonna be out looking for another job. Well, Cheryl Mills worked and she still is Clinton's campaign chief. Uh, she is her, uh, her her highest member on the Clinton staff is Cheryl Mills. She worked on a UAE, United Arab Emirate project while working at the State Department. Now, the only reason I can presume that there's this headline is being projected as such is that there's probably a pretty good conflict of interest, but it does fit into exactly what the whole Clinton's Foundation business modem was. Modus operandi, their MO, and that was to use their name, their clout, to milk the system and to create the opportunity to, hey, we need some donations and we can plug you in. If you don't think that's what the case was, that the bottom line of the Clinton Foundation has been hundreds of millions of dollars, hundred million dollars, whatever the facts are. I don't know how much the actual foundation has raised, but we know that Clinton and both of them have given speeches to the tune over the 15 whatever years to a tune of a hundred plus million dollars. So you have got her top aide. Working on a UAE project, not only was she working on the project, Hillary Clinton's top aide, Cheryl Mills, held several outside roles, including a board position. She was on the board. 
That's a very influential position. And at the same time, she's actually working as Hillary's chief of staff and a counselor at the State Department. Talk about conflict of interest. Do you think, (laughs) as we'll get to this whole Chris Matthews thing, do you think that even dawned on them to consider all this conflict of interest and start reporting that to, to us, the people who need to be informed? Of course not. When you have a devoted outcome that you desire, you get those tunnel vision blinders on, and that's the way you view the news. It's not about putting lots of pieces of the puzzle on the table. It's about putting one piece and telling you what that piece of the puzzle is. All right, now let's go to Obama's right-hand person. Report. FBI files document communism in Valerie Jarrett's family. Well, that's, if you've done any kind of homework at all, you know her background and her family's background regarding who these people were. I mean, what their mentality was, what their political mentality was. Federal Bureau of Investigation files obtained by Judicial Watch reveal that the dad, maternal grandmother, grandpa, excuse me, and father-in-law of President Obama's trusted senior advisor, Valerie Jarrett, were hardcore communists under investigation by the U.S. government. Well, the reason I mention this is because, yeah, we hear from the deadheads how thoughtful and what a grand constitutional mind Obama is. And then we wonder, okay, tell us what your grades were. I told you the the story about a guy who went to school with him and scratched his head thinking, I, I never even saw this guy. Asked a couple of people he'd been friends with since getting out of, and I believe this is at Columbia. They don't remember. This guy was on a mission. He interviewed 450 people. None of them ever remember Obama. You know why? It's, do you remember athletes? Remember, oh, who was it? Washington Redskins, Dexter Manley, big defensive lineman, made it all the way through school, was passed through every grade, all the way through college, graduated college, couldn't read or write. This is the way you have to look at Obama's, what goes on in between his toughest seven inches in life. He doesn't have anything there. He's not a constitutional expert because, in my opinion, he was never there. Just like Dexter Manley was passed on just so he could use his skill set on the football field, so was Obama passed on by his puppet masters, by those mentors who wanted to get him through the system. And I can only assume that they saw the potential of this articulate black man that they could use almost as, what, what are those movies called? Uh, uh, um, oh, I can't remember it, but uh, there was two. There was a remake, uh, Manchurian Candidate, I think, that, that kind of theme where we can take nobody and we can prop them up. Well, I'm going to come back to this and give you another little bit of two cents worth regarding, well, Obama's two most profound influences in his life. And 
I don't know if we can look at it as left side, right side, right side, left side. Hey, shuffle them. Doesn't matter. Use them like juggling. Uh, and uh, see exactly because we know Valerie Jarrett has been there from the very beginning. Before Obama became 50 going on 15, he was actually about 20 looking for a way forward. And here comes those people who are going to take him on the journey of his life. All right, we'll come back through the bottom of the hour break. This is Tim Burns and the Tim Burns Show. Remember, 303-477-2473 and timburnshow.com. When I first decided to go back, I was a little scared because I was older. Jared didn't know how to get the money he needed for college. Then he found out about federal student aid. When I first had the news that I received money, I ran downstairs and I showed my mother and she was happy so she started crying. Need help paying for college? Go to federalstudentaid.ed.gov. Start here, go further. My name is Jared and this is my story. Hey America, we need to have a little talk. We've got more food than we know what to do with in this country, yet 17 million kids in America are struggling with hunger. Makes no sense. Luckily, the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks has volunteers gathering excess food and getting it to hungry kids. They're kind of like food angels. Hey, become a food angel yourself by supporting Feeding America in your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Tim Burns for DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. I want to tell you about some really good people. What started as one phone call from northern New Mexico in 2007 has turned into rescuing 500 and giving good homes to 500 animals a year. You know, they need your help. They need your donations. They do it all out of the goodness of their heart, out of their own pockets. I encourage you to give them a generous donation if you give to dog rescue operations. Go to DoggyDogWorldRescue.com and give generously. We're back again. Let me finish up these thoughts on Valerie Jarrett, who's been with Obama since an early age, the most trusted advisor. In fact, if you want to really get down into the nitty gritty, she is the left side or the right side. You can shuffle them back and forth between David Axelrod or Valerie Jarrett. And that represents... Obama's entire thought is what they have taught him. They have given, David Axelrod has given him his political strategy his entire career. Valerie Jarrett has given his political outlook, his view of world, view of America. It all comes from, and whether she represents the left side brain, right side brain, or vice versa with David Axelrod, this is who Obama is. He is a reflection of all of what they have planted in between his ears. He's made of nothing. Again, 
He's 50 going on 15. He hasn't learned anything except what he's told to say. Now, I wanted to point out a, uh, a poll that came out. And uh, let me do this. You've heard me talk about the political polls and how many polls are put there to create the impression that this is who is number one in the poll. We all know that uh, callers, or let's say people who get called at home by pollsters, usually are somewhat fearful that if they give an answer that isn't agreeable, that isn't politically correct, let's put it that way for lack of a better, no matter what the subject matter, if it's not politically correct, if the opinion of the whoever is being called doesn't fit into that political correct realm, well, there's a chance. There's an actual kind of fear. What is going to happen to me if I don't give the answer that they're looking for in this poll? Because you can tell most of the time if you get a poll pollster calling you, you can tell most of the time what they're looking for. So with those two things in mind, with the fact that there's a lot of polls being used to create the stories, to create the impression, here comes a poll that 28% of students, and this goes hand in hand with two just headlines I grabbed. San Francisco High School is the first in the country to offer a gay studies course. Now that fits for San Francisco. And that really fits into the whole idea of a politically correct curriculum. Maybe San Francisco is going to be the breeding ground, the laboratory to make sure that this gets implemented across the even common core curricular landscape. Well, here comes another poll. 28% of students identify as LGBTO. Now, that number seems pretty high to me. But here we go again. Is there an intimidation factor? Is there a, if I don't give the answer they're looking for, what will I be called? I just thought I'd throw those two things out. Got a couple of other items here, but I want to read. About a page worth, uh, it's, also, it's big writing though. <laughs> Regarding the trade agreement that just took place, I reread this, and this I was going to get to this the other day. I reread this, and it's just packed full of information. Take me about a minute to get through this. Now, this is after the trade agreement, 60 to 37, was passed, and then it'll go. I was listening to another program out there. The next step is, does this mean there is a 60-seat level that has to be achieved before it gets put on Obama's desk? Or is this an up or down vote with 51, a, a simple majority? I'm not sure. Is it at this point um, what they call, uh, uh, well, anyway. U.S. immigration, uh, and I, I'm missing the first part of the paragraph. Sig this will significant, significantly constrain congressional authority over U.S. immigration policy. An up or down vote 
without the possibility of amendments. It includes or allows changes to immigration or visa law. In other words, other countries are pushing hard for access to U.S. job markets, calling it trade in services. That's what it's called in this agreement. Now, you think somebody who can get into this country as a trade-off will work for less? You bet. That's why we're seeing all sorts of IT people retraining foreign workers at 40% less pay, especially as they're heading towards retirement. Hold it. You're going to fire me? What happens to my pensions? What's happened to my benefits? Well, sorry. You didn't get to the full term. Have fun in America. Trying to find a job, trying to keep what money you have. This is going the wrong way, everyone. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, And the, quote, movement of natural persons permitted employers to replace some of their U.S. workers with foreign guest workers. Not because the guest workers have better skills, but because they are cheaper. That makes sense. That's a one plus one equals two. To greatly expand access for foreign workers in dozens of occupations, including engineering, veterinary. Look, this isn't about the jobs that Americans aren't not, are not willing to do. This is, those are all filled apparently. This is about re-infiltrating all of the kinds of jobs that only America produces because we lead the high-tech world and here we go. Because there's no money in this economy anymore, because there's no prosperity, what do companies have to do? Because 35% they're getting taxed And that's a big chunk of change. Well, they have to survive. So how are they surviving? Oh, Mr. Obama, you're going to give us, really? You're going to give us the opportunity to hire foreign workers at 40% less? Bravo for you. Thank you. And they talk about the Republican Party being the party of the big corporations. All right, getting back to this. Uh, dozens of occupations, including engineering, veterinary medicine, management consulting, construction, waste disposal, hotel and restaurant work, transportation and recreation. This is not just about computer programmers and nurses. TSA would facilitate the movement of unlimited numbers of skilled and unskilled workers from participating countries. The effect would be that control over our guest worker programs and other occupational regulations would shift away from our representative bodies to an international tribunal of trade regulators. This is called giving away your sovereignty. You have workers coming into this country, and yet you don't have a say into how this system should work. Senators should remember that a vote in support of the Obama trade agenda is a vote to constrain their constitutional authority. That's why I just don't get what is the main bottom line reason, because it's a lot of mumbo jumbo to wade throughout there. It's a complicated situation, and it's really made complicated because you've got all kinds of people our representatives, and our senators who are on different sides of the track regarding this, and it makes it 
pretty complicated to understand. And I am not going to spend the time. Look, I'm not going to dig myself into a cul-de-sac and spend weeks on end trying to figure out the details of a bill in language that really I can't, industry language as they call it, as I call it, until we see what the outcomes actually really are. Is a vote to constrain their constitutional authority to adjust immigration laws so that they serve our national interest, not private or foreign interests. Now, this goes hand in hand with uh, that this is a, quote, corporatist scam. That was just a headline. But I, I grabbed, this is the U, UK Independent Party. It believes that free trade between people is the surest way to greater prosperity. However, the agreement is not a free trade deal, but one that favors big multinational corporates over the interests of smaller businesses and, most importantly, the democratic right of people to set policy through elections. Now, what I get out of this is that even independent-minded people in Britain get it where we don't, and our own representatives who are going to put us at risk. Again, if I could somehow figure out a way to understand what is Paul Ryan's bottom line motive? I, I just, it, it just boggles my mind in that regard. And of course, you've got another headline that Boner, Boehner, excuse me, is whipping them bloody. Boehner warned the malefactors that he doesn't reward bad behavior. And when you cross John Boehner lately, what is, you lose your, and these are not Tea Party these are conservatives now. They, hey, they threw the Tea Party out of the room, all the representatives who were the voice of we the people, who said, hey, my constituency has spoken up. And now, forget about the Tea Party. Now it's going after those conservatives that have been there before the whole Tea Party grassroots movement happened. These are conservatives who are getting the same treatment from John Boehner, losing their chairmanships, because if you go against Boehner, you are going to pay a price. It's a game to John Boehner, and it involves retention of power. That's all it revolves around. Taliban has a major Afghan city. Hold it, hold it. Didn't we, once we got out of Iraq, didn't we shift gears and we're going to make sure that we secured Afghanistan and made it as good before we left Iraq, as Iraq was, and yet it's a different landscape, I understand. It's more rural, more tribal. Taliban has major Afghan city within its grasp. Taliban forces were less than four miles from this strategic northern city Monday after seizing control of two key districts over the weekend, triggering fears that they could capture their first Afghan city since U.S.-backed forces toppled the hardline Islamic regime in late 2001. 
So we're going to pull out. Just as things are going downhill, we're going to pull out. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, we had, uh, all right, you know what? Let's go ahead and get started on this. I think I can pull this off, but this is going to the Chris Matthews. Uh, we've got two minutes to go into the break, and let's see if I can get through the first one here. This is Matthews interviewing. This is all about the shooting in South Carolina and the attempt, I think I talked a little bit about it yesterday, the attempt to take a one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of one percent incident and to make sure it's a nice blanket that fits over the entirety of America. We're all still racists. Why? Because it's in our DNA. Because we haven't grown anywhere in two to three hundred years. Well, Chris Matthews found a donor of an obviously racist group, and this donor had given money to Republican candidates. And so he's got the Southern Law Poverty Center spokesperson on there and Howard Feynman. And I hope I can get through all of this, and I think we will. But let's play this first part. Well, according to Rush Limbaugh, removing the flag has nothing to do with taking down a symbol of hatred. For the Republican Party's grand vizier, it's all a liberal effort to target the South. Let's listen to the, to the underwater walrus and what he has to say. Now, you notice that? You notice the name calling, the, the adjectives that are added? Does Chris Matthews sound like an objective journalist when he basically enhances colorfully who Rush Limbaugh is? I don't think so. I don't think we get any objectivity. In fact, if you look at MSNBC and know that the dead, this is a prime example of how media bias works. And I really think that all the deadheads, specifically NBC, almost uses the Chris Matthews hardball show as a proving ground, as a as a laboratory to see if, obviously, the deadheads would have to tone it down slightly because he's outrageous. But maybe this is how they figure out whether they're going to cover a story or not. All right, we got one break after this one, uh, one segment after this. We'll get back and we'll see how this goes. Tim Burns, Phenomenal Exhibit Services. You know, big business is done at these conventions, and if you are the responsible party, your company, for making those exhibits work right on the convention floor, and it seems that it's nothing but hassles and headaches and nightmares, that the logistics just aren't working, I encourage you to make a phone call to Nominal Exhibit Services. They're the one place that starts and ends the process. They take you from point A to point B, and they will free up the most important thing you need, time to do business at these conventions. Conventions. So call them 303-901-9090. Hey John, what's up? 
Hey Dave, I'm gonna get Sue something from this really cool jewelry website. What's the special occasion? There isn't one, but I was talking to Hank, and he said he went to JT Jewelry and got Jill something. And funny story, he was watching a movie and heard the line, the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. He goes to JT Jewelry and not only got her a pair of earrings, he got her a pendant too. He gives her the earrings and she loved them. A few minutes later, he gives her the pendant and tells her, let's go to the jewelry store and get fitted into a necklace that's just the way you want it. He got her two pieces of jewelry? <laughs> yeah, he said the prices were so good he couldn't resist, but the story gets better. They went to a company outing and the boss's wife saw the pendant and just loved it. Jill was a hit of the party. That must have made him feel good. Good, Hank said the night might have been even better than his wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> What's that website again? JT-Jewelry.com All right, we're back here. Uh, let's get to, I skipped ahead on this, but this has everything to do with the um, the Confederate flag issue. And Nikki Haley, the governor of South Carolina, came out and, um, hey, there, she's not going to stop it on a private basis, but from a government perspective, from a statehouse level, they're going to take it out. And uh, she's being praised even by the likes of Chris Matthews' guests like uh, um, the guy the Washington Post who grew up in South Carolina. and uh, But here we have the making fun that you just heard before we went to break of Rush Limbaugh calling him a walrus. And Rush predicts. Doubt me, folks. And I'm, I'll make another prediction to you. The next flag that will come under assault, and it will not be long, is the American flag. Why do people listen to that crap? I, I don't know. I mean, nobody thinks the American flag's under assault. Nobody. Oh, no, you know, we're no, not. No, why, why, who was sitting in their default. car no. buying that garbage? Well, but look. Wow. At least Chris Matthews doesn't hold things back, does he? Well, let's get to another. Let me uh, flash forward head here and use my. It's my age vision. <laughs> And I think Agenda. I That's Earl Holt talking. As he was promoting white supremacy, Holt and his group were also promoting Republican candidates. Now, Earl Holt is this guy who's given to Republican candidates. He runs this uh, particular group. You'll hear him talk about it. And this is an attempt, once again, to take somebody way out of the mainstream, way into his own situation with racist attitudes and attempt to label it on the entire well, not the country in this case, like Obama did, but a political party. In the last few years, he, that man you're looking at, contributed at least $70,000 to dozens of Republicans, including presidential hopefuls like Rick Santorum, Rand Paul, Scott Walker, Ted Cruz. The party now finds itself scrambling to distance itself from Holt and his group, of course, and every one of those politicians has rejected Holt's money now by donating it to charity. Now, Rich they're scrambling and now what's the what's the implication of using that twice now like they should have known every single background in depth of every one of the donors to their campaign wherever that case may be let's flash forward here 
Sorry for the dead air there here. Well, I mean, I think part the real question is why does the Republican Party like them so much during that time? It was part of the Southern strategy. People like Trent Lott routinely spoke at their conferences and for the people involved in the council. Now listen to this. This is actually pretty good. This is the spokesperson for the Southern. This is a group, the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center, who labeled the American Family Council a terrorist group. Why? because of a stance on abortion. So, well, the Republican Party, they were the most conservative game in town. What about this guy Scalise from Louisiana, the guys in the leadership now? Didn't he speak to one of those groups? I believe so, that's correct. He claims, of course, like all of them, that he didn't know who he was talking to. It's, it's just such a common refrain that you hear. But can you imagine Trent Lott or Haley Barber going to a group and not knowing anything about them? They got better advanced people than that. Well. I'll give credit to this guy. He said, hey, he didn't know. Those people don't have any idea where this money comes from at times. They aren't responsible. So apparently Matthews didn't like that answer as much as uh, he would have wanted to get the kind of flow that Matthews. You know, it's all about creating imagery with Matthews. And here he had his guest this Southern Poverty Law Center rep who didn't quite give the exact answer that he wanted, but that's all right. Now, let's get to Howard Feynman. This is really, this is the disgusting moment as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk about the Republican Party's problem here. They got this on their fingers now. They've got a connection with a guy who inspired a guy who shot nine people. Well, Chris, this is the nightmarish other side of the Southern strategy. Just a little history for a second. The South was a Democrat for decades. Solid South. Solid South. And then the Civil Rights Movement happened. Now listen to this closely, everyone. Listen to all of the information that's being put out here by Howard Feynman. It caused a depth charge in the South. Eventually, the Republicans, led by Richard Nixon, saw the chance to take the South from the Democrats and make the South the base of a new Republican Party. And that, in fact, has been the case consistently from the late 60s and early 70s through to today. Pretty much, except for places like Virginia and, and North Carolina, occasionally around the perimeter, the solid South for the Republicans. And in the old days, it used to be considered almost shrewd that, that they would play to the edges of this. Ronald Reagan in 1980. Oh, let's implicate Ronald Reagan as a racist. One of the first campaign stops of the fall of 1980 for Ronald Reagan was at the Neshoba County Fair in Philadelphia, Mississippi, right down the road from where some civil rights workers had been killed. That symbolism was Cheney and the other yeah, two guys. That, that symbolism was not lost on anybody in the South. So you think that that was, that was dog, seen as that was dog whistle politics? Yeah. That was foghorn politics. People called him on it at the time, but that's 30 years ago in American politics. We are a different country. We are a multicultural country. Yeah. We are a country of many races, not just the black-white story. And and the and the Southern strategy is now coming to haunt the Republicans. And if they don't find a way to disengage themselves from it, they've got no chance of winning a presidential election. None. Now, as I mentioned, Rand now, isn't that incredible? Here you have 40 years worth of a Southern strategy, Republican style. Why? And where's the context of the rest of the Southern? Where is the 
reporting about the Democrat Party going all the way back to 1826, getting its start, fighting every step of the way for 150 years plus, any kind of recognition of the black man to become equal in, in our American society. In fact, they even tested white people back when the Republican Party started to get its, when the slave in the free territory, when slave societies and rogue societies were taking place in Kansas, the same kind of, you count the jelly beans and we'll register you, or if you don't count the jelly bean right, you can't be registered. And 150 years ago, you can't vote. The same thing by Democrats. No context. Bobby Byrd, the longest serving senator ever, was a Ku Klux Klan member. No mention by Howard Feynman or Chris Matthews holding him to account about the history of the Democrat Party in this regard. No. Remember, take a segment, take a slice, and paint a whole new picture around that segment and slice. Howard Feynman, you get the Tim Burns Show Disgusting Award. And that makes you, well, I don't like to call names. Anyway, I'm glad we got through that. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow on the Tim Burns Show.